Oftentimes when you meet somebody, a stranger, unfortunately in our world today, you don't typically hear them talk about Jesus. It's not a common uh, subject line. But for me as a priest, I notice that since my ordination, because I wear clerics and I kind of have a target as somebody who is open to talking about faith matters, matters of your relationship with God and Jesus Christ, all kinds of people come up to me and are willing to share their deep spiritual insights, which is wonderful for me. Um, I get to reap the benefit and the joy of uh, those fruits of prayer that are shared with me, and sometimes I get to use them in my homily, which is what I'm going to do right now. <laughs> um, I remember I was talking to somebody recently, nobody here uh, in our parish, but uh, I was having this conversation, and uh, we were talking about uh, Christian witness and being a Christian witness out in the world. And I remember this person asked me, they looked at me and said, Father, do you think someone could pick you out as a Christian in a crowd if they spent some time with you, a stranger? And I remember looking down at my clerics and thinking, why, yes, I do think they would. They said, Father, you misunderstand me. If you weren't wearing your clerics, you weren't dressed like a priest, you weren't doing priestly things, you didn't have any kind of Christian symbolism, no crucifix, no scapular, no rosary, would somebody be able to tell if you were a Christian? And I'd like to say yes, but it got me thinking, what makes a Christian? Someone who's a visible witness to Christ in the world. Well, obviously, believing in Christ, being a Christian disciple, and trying to live like a Christian, these are all very, they become very generic ideas. Unfortunately, we can have this generic mentality of what a Christian should be what a Christian ought to look like. And oftentimes you can have the world tell us what that's supposed to look like. Not Jesus Christ, but the world say, well, this is what a Christian should be. You hear it all the time. And typically we have this boiled down, very generic, milk toast, bland Christianity that we can buy into sometimes. And that's the Christianity. I like to call it a pixie sticks Christianity. <laughs> because it's sweet, and then there's a sugar high, and then there's nothing. There's a crash. And it's very shallow. It's the pleasant Christianity. It's the, well, it's nice Christianity. You just got to be a nice person like Jesus. Jesus was a nice guy. He didn't flip tables. <laughs> he didn't talk about hell. Jesus was a nice guy. Everyone loved him until he was crucified. Unfortunately, we can give into this mentality of, well, I just got to be nice. I just got to live a life, get along with people. But Jesus calls us into the breach to live in this new life, to live a new life as a Christian witness in the world, someone who is observably a Christian, a follower of Christ. You can have the other extreme too, where somebody weaponizes their faith and uses it to shame people, or uses it to basically compare themselves to others, saying, well, at least I'm not that person. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm with Jesus Christ. We're a gang. We're going to beat up on you guys. So you have these two extremes. One, it's the lukewarm Christian and two, it's the militant Christian who wants to basically shame other people. We have, I think, the true Christian witness, visible and reliable, in the second reading today. And Peter talks about what it means to be that witness. That Peter speaks about being a witness to hope. And that's actually a very a seemingly, seemingly controversial thing that we experience in our world today. A true witness to hope. That we as Christians, as being transformed in Christ and being born into new life, 
as beloved sons and daughters of God, are called to direct everything to God. We have other things that we can direct our lives to, that we can rely on. It could be media, it could be material things, matters in the world, of the world, media, people, temptation and sin. What we're called to is to have hope and to direct that hope to God. That it's so easy for us to get caught up in the hopelessness of the world. It's not hard to see. <laughs> you can go on TV and watch the news and at any moment you'll see something that's some tragedy, some terrible thing that's happening, some negative uh, insight into the world. You can look on social media feeds and you can do doom scrolling and see what's going on, what's wrong with the world today. You can talk with anybody for any length of time and eventually some tragedy, some hopelessness will come up. But we are called to be witnesses of hope. To be able to face the dragons other people don't even want to acknowledge in their lives. And to not do so with fear and trembling, but with boldness, with courage and confidence and even joy. Joy in knowing of our Lord's victory his love, and his mercy, even as we encounter the different darkness, the different dragons in our lives to slay. We may encounter death, the loss of a loved one, tragedy, great obstacles, financial struggle, sickness, real darkness in our lives, desolation and depression, and with all this, a fear of all of these. But hope obliterates these. Hope allows us to persevere. Hope in our Lord and his love and mercy and who we are is transformed in Christ. Who we have received in the person of the Holy Spirit that our Lord talks about. That we're gearing up towards the end of Lent, which ends with Pentecost. Because then we, like the disciples, are reminded to go out and to be encouraged and strengthened and sustained by God's grace through the Holy Spirit. That's why we're here right now at the Mass. To partake in that font of God's grace. So that when we go out, we can be those persons of hope. So that when someone sees us visibly hopeful and joyful, they could say, what's wrong with you? Why are you so hopeful? And without shame, without anger, or without fear of even showing who we are as transformed in Christ, but boldly we can say, because I am saved, because I have a Savior, because I have new life in Christ, that I am hopeful, yes, even when things aren't so good, even when things are downright terrible, that I have this gift of hope. It is hope, my brothers and sisters, that reveals that Christian witness and can reveal that light of Christ. And if we live in it, boldly and genuinely, for the sake of living in charity, and for the sake of proclaiming the truth, even when we encounter rejection or judgment or persecution, we know that we are, even in that, imitating Christ. That we live this life for the sake of remaining in this life in Christ. And continuing with that greater gift of hope. I think one avenue we can look to. To connect to the theme of today as Mother's Day. Is actually in mothers themselves. In motherhood. That we have the church which we call Holy Mother Church. In the feminine. Because the church nurtures us. It comforts us. Consoles us in times of struggle. And points us to that greater gift of new life in Christ. This is also present in motherhood, this beautiful gift of motherhood. Oftentimes, unfortunately, again, attacked in our world today, but there is this joyous celebration and the unique feminine genius in motherhood, that ability to console like no one else can, to say everything is going to be okay, that there is this uh, 
Lutheran theologian. I know, Lutheran theologian, but he's got some good stuff. Uh, Peter Berger. And in his um, book, Rumor of Angels, he explores what he calls minor transcendentals. So the big transcendentals basically show us that there is a transcendent reality. That there is a greater being, there is a greater thing, a, a metaphysical reality to the world. These things we see in nature that point to the existence of God. So you have the big ones like beauty or truth. But he points to these small ones, these little transcendentals that point to something greater. Something that overpowers even the struggles and darkness in the world that we experience in nature. And one of them he points to is a mother comforting her child in the midst of darkness. A mother comforting her child when they are surrounded by fear and terror. As a kid, and kind of today still, <laughs> I used to have really wild night terrors. Bizarre, very bizarre. And they would always cause me great terror. So I remember I had this one. This is very vivid in my mind. It's one of those dreams you really remember. It was after watching an episode of Arthur. So I remember it very well. You could probably find this episode on the internet. Um, but in this episode of Arthur, there were broccoli people. These people who had broccoli coming out of their heads. Um, and I had this dream as a kid of these broccoli people. It's absolutely terrifying for me, for little Gabe. And I remember waking up and screaming, help, broccoli people. Somebody come. And my dad comes in and he says, wait, what's going on, Gabe? Are you okay? And I said, I had a bad dream about broccoli people. And I was frantic. I could not be consoled. My dad said, it's going to be okay. It's fine. Broccoli people aren't real. Just go back to bed. And I said, I want mom. He's like, well, mom's trying to get some sleep, okay? You know, she's had a long day. He's like, no, I want mom. He's like, fine, fine. Goes and gets my mom. My mom comes in. Pretty much says the same thing. Says, it's going to be fine. Broccoli people aren't real. Go back to bed. And I believed her. <laughs> and I went to bed, consoled and comforted in a way that my dad could not console and comfort me. Now, there is a real masculine genius as well in fatherhood, but there is something special about that love of the mother comforting and saying, everything's going to be okay. And it's not a lie. It's a promise. It points to that persevering hope that we experience in our faith. That motherhood in a very beautiful way, especially in the home, can point to that greater trust and consolation that perseveres through all things. And that greater gift and trust in the love's love and mercy. The Lord's love and mercy. So I encourage us today, especially as we continue this Easter journey, um, and we move towards that celebration of Pentecost, that we ourselves seek to be those persons of hope in our families, with our friends, with strangers, at all times. And if we have not found that hope to ask for it, Lord, grant me that hope. Grant me that hope that allows me to be joyful and to be consoled even in those struggles. That I can be a shining light, a beacon in the darkness of hope. Recognizing our Lord's victory over sin and death and being a visible, perceivable son or daughter of God, a beloved disciple of Christ. Amen.